and greetings. Thank you so much for joining us today right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And you're on board with myself, Ellen Kamai, The Natural Nurse, along with my co-host, Dr. Eugene Zamperone. And it's been a long time since I actually trademarked the name The Natural Nurse. So it's The Natural Nurse with a little R next to it. But that happened, I believe, I've been a nurse since 1973. Then I've been doing natural medicine since 1964. So I was doing natural medicine much longer than the time that I have been a nurse, all of which is getting to be a long time. And I actually had a, a spiritual vision while talking to some giant saguaro cactus out in Arizona. I lived in Bisbee, Arizona for many years, studying herbal medicine. Michael Moore was there. He came after I did and Mimi Kemp, a lot of great herbalists were there. And we had a wonderful time there in Bisbee, Arizona. But one day I was meditating with a giant saguaro cactus, and it actually gave me a message that, you know, create the name The Natural Nurse. Since I was doing natural medicine, herbal medicine at the time, I was also a midwife delivering babies at home because there was no choice. You either had to be strapped down on your back and get an episiotomy and all kinds of drugs, or you had to have your baby at home. Nowadays, we're much better off because we actually have the choice of a birthing center and doulas and midwives. So this was a long time ago. My son's going to be 50. Titus, how dare you? Anyway, so on today's show, I want to tell you about some of the wonderful events that are coming up that you can see if you go to naturalnurse.com. And then we'll be bringing on board our guest, Dr. Friedman Schwab, who is both an MD and PhD and author of The Empowerment Solution. But if you'd like to join myself and Dr. Eugene Zamperone on classes and workshops, they are open to anyone. A lot of people say, do you have to be a nurse or do you have to be a doctor? No, it just so happens that our classes do offer CE credits if you need them. So if you need them means you have a license of some kind. You might be an RN or a nurse practitioner or a chiropractor, a naturopathic physician, a massage therapist, licensed massage therapist, or... Um, an RD, registered dietitian, or a clinical nutritionist. When you have those kinds of licenses, you have to show that you're taking um, recognized ongoing credits, and all our classes have recognized CE units. However, you can take the class anyway. For instance, you might want to become something called an RH, that's a registered herbalist, and all of our classes can be used for that as well. Or you may just want to know how to use herbs for yourself and your family and find out the best sources to get that information. And then you get a very nice certificate saying you took the class, but you don't need the CE units. So it's really for whatever in terms of you want to learn about how to take care of yourself and your family naturally. So the best way to find our classes, one is go to Natural Nurse Academy. At Natural Nurse Academy, we have classes listed that are archived, and they're very reasonable, and you can take them. We have probably over 100. But if you go to naturalnurse.com and then look at events, you'll see the latest things that are coming up right now. So this weekend, we have a very exciting event. 
which is in Lake Wales, Florida, a beautiful, beautiful place in Tiger Lake Road. It's the 13th annual Florida Herbal Conference. And maybe you don't have time to get it together to fly all the way out here by March 1st, which is this week. However, you can join that conference very reasonably virtually. So it's both an on-ground, in-person conference, and they have a virtual track. So what a fabulous, fabulous thing to be a part of. It's one of the best herbal conferences. I love it. I'm always a presenter at them, and that's coming right up. It's the 13th Annual Florida Herbal Conference. You can find out more by going to naturalnurse.com, and we do have a code, so you can actually get a discount even if you'd like to just come to the virtual conference. Then on March 5th, which is coming right up on Tuesday, we have a lecture about Hildegard weaving the tapestry of healing from the cosmic elements. And this is completely free and open to all. We have an email there. You just send the e an email and they will send you a Zoom link and you can attend for free. If you do need credits as a nurse, there is one CEU available. And this is actually through New York University College of Nursing, which I am so thrilled to be talking about Hildegard, which is about herbs, spiritual healing, gemstone healing, and all the spiritual and physical work that she did. And she was called the um, Minister of Science of Germany. And here she is a woman and a nun in the year 1000 something. So, I mean, she is a major, major person that you want to learn about if you're interested in history, herbal medicine, gemstone healing, spiritual healing. And of course, she's a well-known composer and her music, Hildegard, is actually having a renaissance at the moment, believe it or not, from, you know, literally thousands of years ago. So that's coming up on March 5th, totally free, 6.30 p.m. And you can sign up from that by going to naturalnurse.com and then classes and events. And you'll see the link to email so that you get your link to the conference. Then coming up really soon in March 10th, our once a year natural nurse herbal certification full four class series is happening. And that gives you 18 CEUs if you're someone who needs it. And if you don't need any CEUs, I think it is the least expensive and most comprehensive entry to learning about herbal medicine that you will find anywhere. I know a lot of the courses that are available, a lot of them fantastic, and they're about $10,000. Uh, this is extremely reasonable. And you can join us at the Natural Nurse Herbal Certification Full Course Series. All you have to do is go to naturalnurse.com and then classes, click on the Natural Nurse Herbal Certification Full Course Series. That will open up and give you all the details. Or perhaps you'd like to just take class one. And just class one is really about the basics of herbal medicine. You don't have to take the full four, 
full four class. You can just take class one, which is the basics of herbal medicine, where we learn about using the language that all herbalists use, that has been used historically throughout time, so that you can begin to understand herbal medicine. What's the difference between a tincture and an extract and an oxymel, etc.? So you can join just that class if you'd like. We also have the Echo Tours for Cures, the Education Vacation where we go to the island of Jamaica. You can read about it, but it is sold out, completely sold out. But if you even think that's something you'd want to do in the future, you can definitely get on the mailing list for next year. 2025, believe it or not. So all kinds of exciting things are happening. Go to naturalnurse.com, classes and events, and you can find out more. You can also email us directly and get in touch. Today, we are so happy to have as our guest, Dr. Friedman Schwab. And Dr. Schwab is both an MD and a PhD. And he has spent over 20 years teaching people how they can get rid of anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem. He wrote a wonderful book calling, called The Empowerment Solution, Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind. So we will go into this discussion with Dr. Friedman, and you can find out more at drfriedman.com, and we have a live link to that. Um, if you listen to the show on our archive. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Friedman Schwab. Well, thank you so much for having me. Should we call you Dr. Friedman or Dr. Schwab? Oh, Friedman. Okay, so we'll just call you Friedman. But thank you so much for, for joining us today. Now, you let's go back in time because obviously you've spent a lot of time learning and becoming who you are. What made you want to become a doctor in the first place? Well, that's the one thing I didn't do, is to be honest, <laughs> because my parents were doctors. My sister, who is older than me, became a doctor. It was very automatic almost. I needed to become a doctor too. So it was a family and tradition. You could say that, and right. I tried to break out of it and become actually an actor passion of mine when I was you know what we need you to sit closer to your microphone oh sorry for that yeah Am I too we, far away yeah you can sit really close because we don't use the visual so you can shut that off so you don't you're not right in your yes. own face yes. and then the mic the microphone's probably in your computer so you need to sit really close no, it's to actually that right in front of me I oh perfect perfect and okay. stay right perfect. there because it's sounding I good will now. stay right there okay so that okay. was a very interesting answer that your family was all doctors and yes. you felt like you wanted to go in a different direction and you shared with us acting. What made right. you want to go in that direction? Well, it just felt in my blood somehow. I had the feeling that uh, when I was on stage and I only did some school plays, but that I was coming alive. And I really enjoyed putting myself into other people's minds and to their stories. And uh, that was certainly something that, uh, yeah, I felt it's, it was natural for me, which later on, I have to say, helped me a lot because, you know, since I'm working with people over 30 years now in different capacities and helping them through their 
trials and tribulations through life, I can easily put myself into their shoes. I can understand where they are coming from. So I think this this natural um, you know uh, desire to to understand stories and understand backgrounds has been there for a long time, and now I'm just using it off stage and more with clients. So I think that's very true in general for everyone. I don't think you, whatever you're doing in life, you know, you're not wasting your time, even if you're not moving towards some large goal that you feel you have, because, you know, it all becomes who you are in the end. And it's all part of your story. And you have a very, very interesting story. So you wound up becoming an MD anyway. How did that happen? Well, I, you know, let my parents talk me into it. And so they had some example of a German actress who was pretty well known at that time, uh, who was a doctor and then later on decided that she rather preferred to be an actress. And so I just said, okay, if she can do it, maybe I can do it. And so, of course, my parents knew when you're seven years in medical school and go through you know, resident, uh, resident program and all those things, you're not changing your mind afterwards. You just stick with it, which for a while I also did. And I enjoyed being in medicine, you know, to a large degree. It was nice helping people. It was, you know, very interesting. My, my intellectual mind really got stimulated and filled. And at the same time, I also always noticed that, especially in cardiology where I worked in, that we are kind of dealing more with a symptom than with what's underneath. So often I saw people stressed and anxious and coming to us with all different kinds of emotional problems, but no one really knew how to address those. There were the pills, there were the interventions, and six months later or so the patient came back, you know, similar issues again. So we often kind of missed the mark. And that was one thing I felt like I don't necessarily want to just treat symptoms. And the second thing was that I also noticed people came to us and the moment they entered, you know, the clinic, uh, pretty much their power was left by the door. It was like this feeling of, oh, the doctor going to fix it or the doctor going to tell me, you know, what I need to do, what's the diagnosis or even how long can I live and and that disempowering relationship of doctor and patient, that just didn't sit right with me. You know, I'm kind of interested because it seems with both your study and your interests, as we'll be sharing with our audience today, I'm surprised you didn't go into psychiatry. No, because I, I mean, I really was drawn to cardiology. Cardiology felt, you know, as something that was so maybe close to my heart because my father had heart issues, maybe because I always was interested in the heart and not so much into the brain. And plus in psychiatry, I mean, often what just also happened was happen, you know, giving people medication and giving people something to, you know, be calmer or to be more, uh, you know, able to navigate through life. But again, was it really the solution? Was it really addressing what's underneath? I'm not condemning anything what medicine is doing. I just noticed for myself that it pulled me away from the traditional allopathic medicine, and I was looking for other ways, other answers. 
Well, if people go to your website, is just lovely, and people can find it at Dr. Friedman, and we'll have a live link because it's D R F R I E D E M A N N. So if you just spell Friedman other ways, you're not going to find it. But it's really, really a beautiful website, and you do share right up there and outwardly something that led to the writing of your beautiful book, The Empowerment Solution, Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind. There's lots to unpack there. But you start out on your website, you don't say, oh, I'm a cardiologist and I'm a doctor. You talk about as yourself that you had suffered from anxiety, low self-esteem, and obsessive compulsive behaviors from the age of 10. Right, right. That's I mean, that's big. Yeah, and that is certainly a part of the story that led me then also to ultimately my passion and my purpose, because I so can understand and relate to how our emotions can make us feel trapped and imprisoned. I mean, for me, I was born into the role of the peacemaker. That's why my name, Friedemann, which means man of peace, was given to me. It was the design by my parents that I should fix the marriage as a second child, which was, you know, turbulent already right from the start. And so that that weight, of course, of having to somehow be the mediator already at the age of seven or eight between two fighting parents and then, you know, dealing also with a sister who, you know, had her own emotional issues. That was a lot of work, you can imagine. And so at some point as a child, you feel already, you know, very much overwhelmed. And me being very sensitive and intuitive, I also felt everybody else's emotions and everybody's unspoken issues, and I absorbed them. And so coming from a place of feeling you know, somewhat powerless, but also at the same time, always feeling responsible. I had these anxieties, panic attacks, and then also those, um, you know, obsessive compulsive behaviors of straightening carpets or having this uh, need to pray a hundred times so that, you know, God will not punish the family and all those things that come from a desperate mind that somehow is looking for answers, looking for a way to prevent something horrible from happening. And that came certainly from a lack of trust, a lack of comfort, and a lack of feeling connected to myself. Because if you are hearing everybody else, if you're paying attention to everybody else, and you cannot really feel yourself, well, ultimately, that's one of the scariest places to be, because you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't know who to relate to. And you certainly don't find any comfort within. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because that's very much on the emotional level, but your training is so deeply scientific between being a PhD, be, between being an MD and then your PhD. I thought I'd find your PhD was in more of a social science, but that's in molecular biology. Right, and it, it really opened up the understanding of the unlimited potential of us as, as beings. And this is something that, you know, in medicine is not necessarily what you get spoon fed. In medicine, it's much more about you are fallible and the doctor needs to come and save you. And in molecular biology is you are a miracle and we still don't really understand everything about you. And, and that was really something that made me understand that 
we are just scratching the surface. And when we come as patients to the doctors and basically telling ourselves, well, there is nothing I can do, we are not tapping into this natural uh, healing ability that we have. We are not really fully living our potential. And, and I think that's really something that uh, became ultimately the thread in my work to help people to connect to this healing potential, to understand that they are way more powerful than they have ever believed they are. And knowing from my science background that this is true even on an individual cellular level, that really helped me. Well, it's a very interesting story because very often people like yourself who go deeply into the subconscious mind and the kind of healing um, techniques that you discuss are very often more like psychologists. But you have such a deep background in medicine and science, and you give wonderful free healing tools. If people go to your website, drfriedman.com, you have things that you can just do for free that are really interesting, like a guided meditation to release anxiety, uh, guided meditation to reprogram your money mindset, or what's going on with people who has, you know, deal with a lot of fear and anxiety. So I think that's a wonderful um, jumping off point to helping people understand how they can just feel better about themselves and about life. Yes, yes. And I do think that we suffer. I think so many people are struggling and looking for answers and, uh, and really, you know, ultimately feeling that life is just making it through another day. And, uh, and not really enjoying life and not really feeling any purpose in their lives. And, and that is, you know, a, a sad epidemic. There is not only the anxiety epidemic. I think there is also an epidemic of feeling somewhat powerless in the world. And, and that's what the intention of this book and, and my work is about, helping people to really find that, you know, that that resource inside of them that gives them a direction, that shows them, no, I... I can create the existence that I want. I may not always have everything I want, but I can always find I can always find joy and purpose every day. Yeah, well, that's that's a wonderful um, goal. And in your book, the Empowerment Solution: Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind, you go into a lot of specific steps about how you can reach that goal. And we're going to go into that in detail. First, we're going to take a little break right here and listen to our natural medicine chest. And when we come back, we will be continuing our discussion with Dr. Friedman Schwab, MD, PhD, author of The Empowerment Solution. We will be right back with more. Meanwhile, check out naturalnurse.com go to classes so you can see how you can join us or of course you can always just send us a message there or facebook instagram all those places we will be right back with more right here on the natural nurse and dr z this edition of the natural medicine chest will discuss jojoba the miracle plant of the desert jojoba is spelled 
J-O-J-O-B-A, but is pronounced according to its Spanish origins. The jojoba plant grows in the American Southwest and the Sonoran Desert in Mexico. The jojoba is a large bush-like plant resembling mistletoe. It can reach a height of 15 feet and can live from 100 to 200 years. The Sonoran Indians have used the oil pressed from the jojoba beans for centuries. Father Juniper Serra, founder of 21 missions in California, noted in the early 1700s that the local Indians were using jojoba oil for treating sores, cuts, bruises, burns, and as a diet supplement to soothe skin from sun and wind burns as a cooking oil and even as a beverage. The importance of jojoba as a cash crop was proclaimed in 1935, but it was not until 1974 when the killing of sperm whales was banned that the government began to study jojoba oil in depth as a substitute for whale oil. The National Academy of Sciences concluded jojoba oil has a radically different chemical structure than any other known oil. Most oils break down or turn rancid. Jojoba, on the other hand, is hypoallergenic, non-toxic, never turns rancid, and does not break down even under high temperature and pressure. The University of California at Riverside did a study where they cooked 27 batches of popcorn in the same heated jojoba oil. The last batch was just as perfect as the first. These unusual properties are unique to jojoba oil because, chemically speaking, jojoba oil is not really an oil at all, but is a liquid wax. Its composition is almost identical to sebum, which is the oil secreted by human sebaceous glands to help to protect the skin from the environment. Jojoba has a myriad of usages. The cosmetic industry takes advantage of its compatibility to human skin by adding it to shampoos, conditioners, moisturizers, and many other cosmetic products. In medicine, jojoba can be used directly on rashes, cuts, and psoriasis. It may also be used as a lubricant for artificial hearts. Jojoba contains a natural appetite suppressant, which can be used in weight loss products. It has no known side effects. In industry, jojoba is known to be a superior engine lubricant and will cause a car to run 20 to 30 degrees cooler when added to the crankcase oil. So, if you are interested in a miracle plant from the desert, reach for jojoba in your natural medicine chest. Yes, we're back. Thank you so much for letting us know. And we are right here with you on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We're so happy to be on board today with our very knowledgeable guest, Dr. Friedman Schwab, MD, PhD. And we're going to be talking about um, some of the advice that he gives in his book, as well as all the things that are available on his website. So, Dr. Schwab, when you decided to write this book, how did you design what the contents would be? And I'll let people know a little bit. You're talking about taking inventory, taking responsibility. How do we move through this book and make it very useful for people? Well, you know, the book is uh, the follow-up book of the fear and anxiety solution that I wrote before. And uh, the fear and anxiety solution is based on basically the work on how to use the power of the subconscious mind to understand and resolve the root causes of fear and anxiety. 
Now, what I noticed is that when people were dealing with fear and anxiety, no matter whether they worked with me or through the program or the book or whether they worked uh, with a therapist, there were certain things that changed and they felt like, yes, now my past is gone and I can focus on the future and so on. But what happened often is that their behaviors didn't change. The way they were still going through life was still in a more self-protective and you could say uh, survival mode. And, and I observed this over and over again that certain survival patterns repeat themselves in, in as human beings. And we are not even aware of those patterns. And, and when we are living in this survival mode, and I will explain this later more, but when we are living in the survival mode, and it's not survival mode, we are scrapping, you know, everything together just to, you know, have enough to eat. I'm talking about the survival mode that's much more deeply ingrained. It's a survival mode that is trying us to not get hurt, not get rejected, not get tossed out of the tribe somehow, you know, getting some approval. This is a very chronically stressful way of going through life, which is very much focused on others and very disconnected from ourselves. And so lo and behold, no matter how much we have done work in our anxiety or our depression, if we stay in those survival modes, it will never really completely go away. This anxiety will always get re-triggered and reactivated because the way we see the world, the way we are navigating through the world hasn't changed. And that's why the fear and anxiety solution was the first step, but the empowerment solution is a necessary next step to really address how, be how do we become empowered uh, leaders in our life. And also, you know, anxiety is interesting. I have to say, I haven't really felt that too much in life. I really have always been basically fearless. And I, mm. I never could really understand how that happens to people. But also, sometimes it's innate, I imagine, and sometimes it's situational. Like people can be okay, and then something happens, which can clearly explain you know, your house burns down or something like big like that. But then a lot of this, like you said, in your case, was more psychological and during childhood. So it becomes like a big thin pattern. I mean, you know, right now, about every third person is dealing with some form of anxiety. And when you how go is that? into... Now, how is that? Why is that? Well, I think there is just a lot of the uncertainty, the, you know, the aftermath of the COVID pandemic, the, uh, you know, uh, financial and economical uh, issues that we have been facing, all of those things have been just compounding this already stressful way of living. But I have been talking about the anxiety pan uh, pandemic or epidemic, uh, you know, already in the early 2000s. And, and that is where the speed of our lives have just dramatically increased. And the more we got, you know, uh, identified through uh, you know, how much we are amassing or how much, uh, you know, we are advancing in our work and how much uh, likes we are getting on social media. And 
the more there is this this wheel that's turning faster and faster and we are feeling like we're having a harder and harder time to keep up with it the more anxiety is there i mean i there's one of my youtube videos that got the most comment is the 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 video about the fear of aging now the interesting thing about this is that the most comments on this video came from 17 to 21 year old oh my god are talking about <laughs> and they are talking about the fear of aging not just about you know getting old looking old dying they are talking about that they are afraid of what is to come once they're you know out of high school and having to basically be in the quote-unquote real world and there is a fear of you know already falling behind to not measure up the expectations to not succeeding and that is so deeply ingrained already in our youth I think the numbers get higher and higher as we are speaking because people just feel like there is this bar that is invisible that gets pushed higher and higher and they cannot reach it and it's all artificial it's all made up but it's something that we you know feel like we have to somehow uh, uh, comply or you know we have to really have this as a goal and and i think this is where we lose touch with who do we really want to be you know this is something that i find is so from my story uh, important that for many many years like i said you know i had to become a doctor it was not a question of what do you want to be and this lack of being asked who are you what's important to you what is your passion what do you want that caused me to be very anxious because it was all about other people tell you what you should be and what you should do and you have to better reach those goals otherwise you're not lovable or acceptable and i think that is something that a lot of younger people are and also people my age are really struggling with well, that's interesting. I mean, it's probably like an overall societal breakdown. And medicine really reflects that because I, I recently went to a doctor's office. I usually never go. And it's for um, like an orthopedist's office, right? So mm -hmm. at an orthopedist's office, usually people have injuries, like I have a knee injury, you know, an acute knee injury. And you walk mm -hmm. in there and the first thing you're expected to do is stand next to this very tall computer, type stuff into it and put your life license in there and your ID and your medical card. Right. It was so dehumanizing. Most people yes. there at the orthopedist office, first of all, are older like I am, don't even know how to use a computer screen. Also, it's very tall and I'm short and I couldn't go into my purse, take all this stuff out and put it in the screen. So, mm. but other people there also felt that, but they really just take a lot of stuff. Yes. They just shift it around and try to get, I went over to the desk and said, I can't do this. You can come out and do this. It shouldn't be this set up this way in an orthopedist's office. But people are so likely to go along and feel like they're pressured and put down. Well, good for you. And that's exactly the disempowerment, the survival mode that I'm talking about, you know, in our hectic lifestyle, especially if you feel a little weaker, or if you're older, you do feel that you cannot really keep up with all of that. You feel automatically, you know, either behind or pushed aside. 
And then you just try to, like most people did, you know, I just try uh, to do it right and feel embarrassed and ashamed that I cannot do it as fast as others can. And they don't necessarily have a voice like you who says, no, sorry, this is too complicated. You should make it easier. You do it. I mean, that is a very empowered way of doing it. And so these these ways that we often go through life, I mean, you, you go into a city and you sit in traffic and nothing moves. I mean, for the mind, that in itself is disempowering because maybe you're late or maybe you're just feeling already like claustrophobic because somehow, you know, you're in a six lane uh, highway and you feel like you cannot even get to the exit. That in itself is such a, you know, a taking away life force energy disempowering uh, experience. And that's only the start of the day. And then, you know, it just keeps on going like this. So we so have to realize that, you know, when we are feeling anxious, it doesn't mean that there is necessarily something wrong with you. It's just the mind feeling that the lifestyle we are having, the way, you know, we are treated, the way we go through life is not any longer sustainable. And you say in part one of your book, The Empowerment Solution, taking inventory why you are never powerless. So what do you share in, in that kind of chapter? Well, I think what's important is that we often feel like we are losing our power. You know, we are we are kind of giving our power away. You know, let's say at work, we are dealing with a corporation. And so there is maybe just a very dehumanizing uh, culture already and uh, there is not like you know necessarily a warm and understanding uh, manager and and you just feel like already you know stressed out as you go on monday morning to the office and uh, and so you feel like this this whole system and all the people there are giving or taking your power and you feel powerless but the fact is that when you look at yourself you realize i always have the power to choose you know, like you chose to not let yourself be intimidated by a computer or by a setup, but actually saying, no, I'm more important than that. I can speak up for myself. We can choose to not let other people's high expectations become our marching orders. We can always choose to say, yes, I can do my best, but I don't necessarily have to feel I'm not good enough just because someone has unrealistic expectations from me. Well, or, in your book, you have a lot of nice illustrations like the survival mode loop where you talk right. about, you know, a trigger. This is, so for me, that was a triggering incident. And then memory, belief, emotion, power, loss of power. So you talk about how that's something that people might go, yeah, that's, that happens to me and what to do about it. Yes. I mean, the, the loop basically is, you know, how do we feel? Uh, you know, stuck in the survival mode. And, and just to be clear, the survival mode that I described, there are two ways. One is the mode of avoidance, where we just avoid anything that potentially can hurt us. So this can be, you know, we are playing it quiet, like you said, in this uh, waiting room as our orthopedist, or we are just, uh, you know, trying to blend in and, and not make any waves or 
procrastination is a form of avoidance when we are feeling like you know that the pressure is too much and so we don't want to fail or we don't want to be uncomfortable so we are procrastinating these are all avoidance modes and then there are the the pleasing mode which is the second one where we are looking for others to make us feel safe or make us feel good and this can be through you know being the helper it can be through the one who always is a chameleon and always you know gets along with everybody it can be also through a significant relationship where we put all our eggs in that basket and feel like well this person that's the one that's going to make me happier that's the one that gives me meaning and those modes these are six of them that are described are so common and we all are dealing with them. It's not that, you know, everyone has only one or two of those modes. They are kind of interchangeable. But what's the important thing is that we are recognizing when we are in this mode, it's almost like this automatic loop that I'm describing. So let's say someone, you go down, you know, uh, the hallway in your office and, you know, your colleague just looks the other direction when they see you you interpret this as oh wow you know this person doesn't like me and so it brings up right a, a memory inside of you from school when maybe your best friends already you know after or after the summer break stopped talking to you and then there is a belief well i'm not really likable there must be something wrong with me and that brings up a lot of anxiety and and then your mind kicks in and says, so what do i need to do so part of your mind may say, look, oh, you have to go to this person and play nice and help them or, you know, get on their good side. And another part say, no, you need to avoid them, just get out of their way and, uh, you know, just become invisible. But either way, your inner peace, your sense of empowerment, all of a sudden becomes about them, doesn't come about you anymore. And that is where we are, you know, going often through daily cycles of feeling triggered and then reacting in those subconscious ways. Well, you talk about six keys to unlocking. And later you also talk about six common survival patterns like the victim, the invisible, the procrastinator, the chameleon, the helper, and the lover. Is there a way for people to sort of see which of those patterns is most like them? Or is it possible for people to actually have several of those patterns going on? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you read the book, you need to go through all patterns because every pattern holds one key and all those keys are important for all of us i mean the keys of you know self responsibility self compassion self reliance self reflection self commitment and self love those are the pillars of your self empowerment and you are getting the keys as you're going through those six survival patterns here's an example so one of the survival patterns is the invisibility pattern and a lot of people would just skip that pattern because they find themselves very gregarious and outgoing and my god i have 50 friends i don't even know how to see them all and they wouldn't say they wouldn't call themselves invisible they would call themselves actually the opposite i love to be seen now they are also invisible they are also dealing with this invisibility pattern because they only like be visible in a certain way. 
in the way of the fun one and the way of the strong one and the way that, you know, they feel comfortable in. But when it's coming to, you know, their vulnerabilities, their fears, their, you know, maybe getting ill or their sadness, all of those things, they are keeping invisible from all those people that they are feeling connected to because it doesn't fit into that what they are, you know, creating around themselves, the persona or this identity. And so they are also dealing with an invisibility pattern. They keep something in. And most of us do that. Most of us are hiding the deepest vulnerable places because we are feeling either ashamed or we're feeling like you know, other people cannot handle it or it's not safe. So that is a pattern that is just an example that shows we all have those patterns and it's really worth to, to understand that the patterns are not evil or bad. They are designed to protect us, but they don't necessarily have to any longer run our lives. Well, that's great information, and we're going to take another break right here. We are talking today with Dr. Friedman Schwab. His website is beautiful with lots of free exercises to try. It's at D-R-F-R-I-E-D-E-M-A-N-N, Dr. Friedman. And you can find a live link after we post the archive of this show. And Dr. Friedman, we will be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. Are we back? Yes. We're back right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z on Progressive Radio Network. We bring you this live every Tuesday, 10 to 11 a.m., and you can get it on any podcast venue that you like, like Apple and all these other podcast venues, or you can find it right at prn.live, where you can go to listen to archive shows as well as live shows. So thank you so much for joining us today. Our guest today is Dr. Friedman Schwab, MD, PhD, author of The Empowerment Solution. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. Now, how would somebody start? Do you have, um, let's talk about an individual, a patient of yours who Mm -hmm. found you, came to you, then what? And and the outcome. (laughs) You know, like a short little case history. Well, you know, let's say, for example, yesterday I just, uh, yeah, graduated uh, a patient of mine who came to me with, uh, I don't know, 10 years of being afraid of driving further away from her house, being afraid of uh, going to the store and uh, feeling like that she may, you know, end up in a panic attack and basically disabilitating uh, anxiety. (laughs) And this anxiety was for her, you know, something that she has been struggling with for years. She went to uh, psychiatrists and therapists and and nothing really helped her. She just felt like, you know, I'm learning some tools and uh, I'm doing some, you know, self-talk, but uh, in the end, the anxiety is still constantly there. And it's, it's like an you know, it's my arch enemy and uh, my life gets smaller. My relationship gets worse. I don't spend time with my child anymore. And uh, I may be losing my job because I cannot even go to work. So we started basically, you know, with an inventory. I mean, the first thing is for me always to understand the person better, as I said before. And so we're really going 
into all the details of her life back and forth and up and down and and creating a map so that we understand of what are the ingredients that created this anxiety and for her it was simply that she at some point when she grew up uh, which was in a very religious and uh, you know in many ways also a very uh, strict household when she grew up she just felt like she she didn't fit in and she felt like that she wasn't really accepted especially not accepted by her father and so she was looking for for love and connection and comfort outside of the family and unfortunately she got into relationships early on in her life already in her teenage times that were rather abusive or taking advantage of her and that also led to her becoming pregnant and uh, those pregnancies she had several of them ended up then for this you know really desperate young woman in abortions and that that fact that she had earlier in her life you know several abortions and she had all this guilt and all this shame and all this secret because no one knew about it uh, that she was hiding for decades that was building up and building up a story inside of her that a she is a bad person and b the world is not a safe place and so she became the avoider, the avoider of everything. And when you think about her symptoms, you know, not leaving the house or not wanting to go into public or into stores, it is the ultimate avoidance to have the feeling that you just have to stay, you know, in the comfort of, of your home. And, uh, and then, you know, the avoidance of even, you know, the, the closeness to her husband or to her daughter. Uh, her life became more and more a very rigid imprisonment of a comfort zone. And so the fact that she just was willing to share all of this with me in the first session, I think has a lot to do with, you know, this, this connection that I can create with people based on my upbringing and based on being already you know, as a six-year-old uh, forced and able to put myself into other people's minds and, and just feel them and, and give them a sense of safety. And so we could work on this. And she was really very brave right away to also say, you know, my part in it is to help my subconscious to understand that this avoidance and this uh, having to hide out and this feeling of, you know, I cannot trust anyone is a protective mechanism, but it's not the truth. And this is not how I want to live anymore. And so she came very quickly out to her husband and shared the story and he responded really beautifully she even later on shared with her family her parents what happened when she was uh, younger and they were completely compassionate and empathetic with her and so that opened her up to realize whatever she had felt about herself before as being a horrible person wasn't true and that opened up her to have a new look at herself and see the goodness in herself and and so different processes that are often about you know working directly consciously with the subconscious mind so the eyes are closed 
but there is a connection to that deeper part of the mind that allows us to revisit the past, allow us to re, you know, pattern the way, you know, we think and feel and approach certain situations. She was able to more and more feel herself as actually the, the home that she feels safe in and she feels that she is someone who has a lot to offer and who who does actually have love and uh, and light that she gave even though she felt so scared and so unworthy that she gave freely and generously all her life so she could see much more clearly who she is and who she always has been and you know when i saw her yesterday you know we celebrated that now she wants to go into also some form of coaching herself to help other women that have been also living in this fear and shame to you know find themselves and uh, and be able to step out of the shadow of their past and and see that they are actually you know much better and have so much more goodness than they ever have seen so it's a beautiful story and uh, it's certainly something that also just showed that we do have that uh, that power inside of us but we have to access it to have a new perspective now if people go to drfriedman.com you can see that you do consults long distance as well it's, that's one of the great things i think that happened with the pandemic because i do lots long distance also which really wasn't so widely available beforehand but that makes it very easy is that how you usually do work with people one-on-one -on -one? only long distance yes because i'm located actually in the south of france and so i work with clients all over the world we ask uh, zoom or the phone and so it's uh, i find it actually not only uh, after the pandemic i found it already beforehand so much more effective because when I did have an office, people came to me and they felt, you know, very safe and uh, very also empowered in the office. But to bring that feeling back into their day-to-day -day life, there was always like a transition period. And some of that good energy could get lost in traffic or, you know, in the meantime. But if they work from their home and, you know, they go through, you know, all the steps and they, they open themselves up to, you know, themselves their whole perspective not only on themselves but also their home is changing and so this implementation and integration goes much faster than if you just you know do this in a in a separate more neutral place so you find that actually as a therapist as a physician that doing um consults uh -huh. long distance actually is very very good and people could get your book look through that and on yes. your website there's a lot of interactive things that people can can look at it looks like actually fun to do yeah i mean there is an anxiety test there you can also download uh, the the five first steps you want to take when you're dealing with anxiety just to you know get already some momentum of uh, of healing and uh, it always is updated there are always new things to look at and i also have a podcast that you can listen to on uh, on and watch on youtube at my youtube channel it's basically my name dr friedman schaub and uh, so that's also there are over 500 videos to watch and webinars and uh, meditations so they can also get to, to do they can get to that from the website so there's a link yes, to the youtube yes. channel 
Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for having been our guest today on this edition of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And thank you for all the knowledge and expertise that you have and for putting it into your book to make it easy for people to get in touch through the Empowerment Solution, Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind with Dr. Friedman Schwab. So thank you so much for being with us today, doctor. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be on your show. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again for another edition of Herbal Yours, which we bring you all the time right here on prn.live. Best place to find myself and Dr. Zamperone is at naturalnurse.com, all one word, naturalnurse.com. We love for you to join in with us on our many classes and workshops. Many are virtual. Many are on ground. Take a look and get in touch. Perhaps you want to learn to be an herbalist. That's a big thing of what we do as well. So until next time, this is Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse, hoping that you stay healthy. <laughs>